welcome to talc teaching and learning consultation skills this is the talc talks podcast helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills to get better outcomes and this approach can even increase your job satisfaction Today I'm talking about the module Talc Skills for Managing Time Effectively and the specific chapter which is called Simple Ways to Help Your Consultations Run to Time. Now this is an important matter for all clinicians and in many ways the most important thing is as Joe Owen says using time effectively that means focusing on activity versus achievement. However Keeping consultations to time and aiming for the sense of ease and flow that is observed in expert consultations is a skill that we all want to learn and improve. Having a structured approach to the tasks of the consultation helps this process along, as does effective use of all of the skills of information gathering, explanations and planning of personalised care. When those skills are in place, the consultation will flow better. There are also specific learnable skills that can help clinicians to improve the flow and progress of their consultations and this is what we're going to discuss in this chapter. Most clinicians feel that their consultations are under extreme time pressure and many patients complain of being rushed or that their clinician doesn't have time to listen to them. When beginning to consult it's usual for the time allocated for consultations to be longer than for experienced clinicians a foundation year doctor in general practice might be allocated 30 minutes or more and many people in training will begin similarly reducing the time the time length of their appointments as they progress other practitioners in training roles will have similar experiences and realize that as they become more skilled they are able to do more within a given time frame educators observing these longer inexperienced consultations still find that important points have not been covered, that there's been much repetition, little focus, and sometimes time wasted. The consultation skills examination for general practitioners allows 10 minutes consulting time with a couple of minutes to prepare. Is it really possible to consult effectively in such a short time? Clearly, this is challenging. Yet when observing effective consultations performed by senior colleagues and educators, Shorter consultations nevertheless achieve a great deal. Sometimes this can even feel quite relaxed to both parties. Sometimes learners may attribute to this to the fact that the patient was an easy person to talk with or the fact that their seniors know the patients very well already. While both of these things can be true, it is also true that experienced and effective consultants use their skills in such a way as to achieve more in less time even with less easy patients and even with patients they don't know at all. In part, this is due to greater focus. Experienced consultants listen in a more focused way. They do not go down blind alleys and they don't waste time on multiple closed questions or repetitions. These issues are covered in more detail in Skills for Managing Time Effectively, Can You Learn to Save Time in Consultations? Experienced consultants use every minute of the consultation productively. Patient-centred interviews can be very time efficient. They focus on what matters to the patient, 
They avoid repetition because of attentive and active listening skills, with clues and cues acted on at appropriate times in the interview. However, another important factor that contributes to consultations flowing well is when there is a structured approach to the consultation tasks, doing those tasks in an appropriate order and having the skills to move the consultation smoothly from one phase to the next. This is achieved by summing up each section and signalling where the consultation is going to go next. Using summarising skills, followed by signposting and transitional statements, the clinician explains the reasoning behind the flow of the consultation. This organisation is made overt and it's shared with the patient. A structured approach like this has many benefits. Firstly, the clinician's own thoughts are assisted by having a structure to work with. Secondly, the patient feels more secure if they understand how things are going to go. This overt structure, supported by transitional statements, frequently saves time in consultations. How can this be? Well, the consultation is not a chance meeting between friends with an open-ended brief. It's a structured conversation that has well understood conventions and customs. In this sense, it's much more like a business meeting. Business meetings have a defined purpose and agenda, a chair who manages the flow of time and ensures that important topics are allocated more time than trivial ones. At the end, there are usually agreed actions with timescales. The clinician can think of themselves as being the chair of a meeting between themselves and a patient or even more than one patient and they have the responsibility for keeping the meeting on track. Meetings can be businesslike and still be friendly, cooperative, pay attention to the concerns and feelings of the participants and run to time. Everyone prefers a chairperson who keeps the meeting running and gets everyone finished in time for their next task. Consultations are the same. Patients will be grateful for a clinician or chairperson who seems to know what to do who processes through all the business and finishes in a reasonable time. There are two key elements that help to create an effective flow through the consultation. Having an effective structure and making the organisation overt and using appropriate transitional and signposting statements. Thinking about having an effective structure means having a logical sequence to the consultation. While this can be flexible to take account of circumstances, Having a clear sense of the sequence can help to keep things on track. For example, during information gathering, beginning with open questions or statements, then moving on to open directed questions and only then using closed questions will usually allow maximum information flow. Having a clear idea about different ways to pick up clues and cues will mean that some important cues from the patient aren't noted but acted on later at a more appropriate moment. For example, if a patient mentions a concern when the clinician is clarifying the clinical issue, they may come back to that later in the interview by saying something like, you mentioned you were concerned about something a few moments ago. Can I ask you to tell me more about that now? I'm keen to understand your point of view. Further exploration of the patient's thoughts, hopes and worries will flow easily without there being a sort of blind alley in the middle of the clinical assessment. When information has been gathered effectively, a physical examination may follow or a discussion of test results, for example. These activities usually precede the explanation phase, which in turn generally precedes planning of appropriately personalised care. 
the closing and safety netting stages of the consultation come towards the end. Clinicians who are able to maintain a good clinicians who are able to maintain a good flow to the consultation and use time effectively hold this kind of structure in their minds during the consultation so that things proceed logically and without repetition. It's common to note unskilled consultants moving backwards and forwards between information gathering, planning, explaining and back to gathering other information in a rather disorganised way. This takes up a lot of time and it can be confusing to clinicians and patients alike. When the clinician themselves has a clear idea of how the consultation is structured, they can signal this during the conversation by using appropriate transitional and signposting statements. Within one part of the consultation, for example, information gathering, a transitional statement can help to move towards a new line of inquiry, a different topic or a different type of inquiry. And here are some examples of transitional statements. We've discussed what's happening with your diabetic bloods. Could I move on to asking how you're getting on with all your medication? Or for example, okay, so I know what's been happening with this rash that's been bothering, but you also mentioned talking about a lump on your leg. Can you tell me all about that now? Or in something a bit more difficult or embarrassing, there's a more sensitive area which we need to discuss now. Your medications can affect sexual function sometimes. May I just ask a bit about how things there are for you? When it's time to move to a different section of the consultation altogether, a summary followed by a clear signposting phrase as to where the consultation is going next can also help to keep the flow going effectively. And here are some examples of signposting phrases accompanied with appropriate summarising, the summarising that uses facts and feelings. So here's an example. Overall, your chest symptoms sound pretty bad at the moment and you're particularly concerned you might end up in hospital again. So I'd like to do a full examination now and then we can decide best how to treat things now. That's a brief summary of the facts and reference to the patient's concerns. It signposts the physical examination and the explanation and planning which is coming next. Here's another example. So I'm going to arrange a referral for a surgeon to deal with that femoral hernia. Can I just go through some of the things you need to be aware of about the referral and about signs that the hernia might have got worse? Here, we're signposting the forward planning and safety netting that occurs towards the closing parts of the consultation. And here's another example. So we have a plan, I think. Before you go, could you just run over the key things that are going to happen next so that I can make sure I haven't missed out anything? Or, I think we have covered everything. We've agreed we're going to do this. But before we finish on the telephone, can I check you're quite happy with that plan and ask what questions have you got now? And this signposts the final check at an appropriate point of closure for the consultation. It's useful for a clinician to share their sense of structure and check that the patient was comfortable with that, as they may have a strong preference for dealing with one problem first, for example. It is not necessary to ask permission for every line of inquiry. Inexperienced clinicians frequently slow down their consultations by repeatedly asking permission for things that most patients will naturally expect to happen. Questions such as, is it all right if I ask you some questions about, or can I ask you some more questions about, Take time and don't yield any useful communication. It's only necessary to get a broad agreement about the order of things.
As I've already hinted at already, one exception to this is where sensitive or difficult subjects are being approached. If there are potentially embarrassing subjects such as sexual function or genitalia problems, this might benefit from an introductory transitional statement. Similarly, a patient who mentions a difficult relationship gives a clue by looking away, twisting their fingers and clamming up. They may find it easier to open up if there's an acknowledgement of what might be difficult. A statement like, you seemed upset when you mentioned your partner. I'd like to understand that a bit more. Would it be okay to talk about that now? Paradoxically, speeding up consultations also means learning to do them slowly at first. Practicing new consultation skills can feel awkward. It needs repeated practice and repeated feedback to get them right. Trying to rush at the same time leads to cognitive overload. If your skills are developed and embedded slowly and systematically, the tasks of the consultation are achieved effectively and this naturally leads to consultations becoming shorter even as they achieve more. Clinicians who add suitable transitional and signposting skills to their repertoire will find further benefits in effective use of the time that they share with their patients. This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators, making training available to all.